welcome to Creative Reboot. So today's episode is all about having confidence in yourself and your skills and also in your business. And we realised while we were chatting the other day that although we're called Creative Reboot, we don't actually always talk specifically about creativity or being creative and what that entails. And we think that creative confidence is a really multi-layered topic that we can really kind of dig into and peel away like an onion. So multi-layered. Yes, in fact, that was very creative. Didn't really mean for the onion thing. Sorry, the onion (laughs) thing just popped out. Uh, I've been watching Shrek. That's probably where that came from. Oh, I love that Um, film. Me too. Um, Yeah, so we thought it'd be a really good one to talk about today. And... um, yeah, maybe being better than coming up with an onion analogy. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that, look, it's not going to happen straight away. Give me time. <laughs> <laughs> no, so actually, I suppose the first thing we should uh, point out, or the first thing I'd like to point out, is that um, for me, part of the definition of being creative is that there is no right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong way to be creative. And it's Absolutely. part of your it's self-expression, isn't it? It's part of how you process and see the world and what you do with that. Mm. Um, so even my... Even my slightly sad onion analogy is okay. Okay, I'm going to just drop the onion now. <laughs> drop the onion, yeah. I don't know where it came from. It wasn't. I didn't plan to say that. It just came out. Um, yeah, what do you think, Sarah? Confidence. What does what does creative confidence mean to you? I'll I'll come up with something sensible while you're talking. Oh God! Now you're putting me on the spot. Um, oh, so, sorry. No pressure. <laughs> I guess it's just. It's. I. I mean, I find it really hard to define creativity. Anyway, I think that's a really tough thing to to say what that is because like like you say there is no right or wrong answer to it and I always sort of think people who say that they're not creative um uh, definitely have creative elements to them you know if they, if they can cook a meal from scratch or um I don't know I'm thinking off the top of my head or they like to read no books I think you're right or... I think there's lots of different types of creativity but I I wonder whether one of the reasons that maybe sometimes we have low low creative confidence is because there's quite a narrow definition although creativity is huge and wide and everything Mm. is well if you refer back right to our very first guest episode where we had jen who is creative but with like code and systems and stuff but totally different kind of creativity but i feel like the the definition of creative that we're kind of sold or taught is that it's people who paint things mm-hmm. or write or, dr- or know, write or, draw, or make or, things. Yeah. But mm. it's even within that making and making and create is quite a narrow definition of creativity. It and is. So then often we feel that we aren't when maybe we are. Or yeah. We are. And it, I bet, yeah. So maybe that is effectively what, where the creative confidence bit comes in then is that, is that feeling of that, of not being um, creative. Yeah. I'm wondering whether, um, I mean, I am also thinking totally off the top of my head. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a massive... We, we keep picking these massive topics, I know. don't we, that we could probably go... Um, I'm wondering whether there is something in there about... Uh, because I've noticed I've got a few friends who have been to art school, photography school, drama school, and they are, at a much younger age, absolutely convinced that they are totally fine at whatever they do and they can go off and they can make a living out of it and they can do that. And, and then they don't doubt it. They don't have that same self-doubt mm. that those of us who are self-taught seem to encounter. They still have self-doubt, but it seems to manifest in a different way. Yeah. And they seem to have an innate confidence in the thing that they do, even if they have wobbles in other areas of creativity. And, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive advocate of if you if you go and do training in a thing, that's amazing. But you don't have to have training in a thing in, also, in order to do the creative thing for a living. Absolutely, yeah. Um. But I wonder if there's something in there about how we're socialised or how we're, um, that's really, you know, what we grow up believing, I guess. Yeah, that's probably really interesting, actually, because I'm just, 
I, the thought that just popped into my head then was was the the generational idea. I I I don't know whether it's um, uh, maybe it's just me, but I don't think it is just me. But I look at people of the the, the next generation down from me. How do you say that? The, uh, generation Z. Oh, how are they? I don't know. Are you a millennial? Are you a millennial? Are you just? I'm, a, I'm on the borders. I'm borders You're on the border. Let's, let's assume, let's assume we're both PM. millennials. The one under us, I believe, is Generation Z. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The one so, coming up now, like the one. The yeah. So one. you'd kind of look at the next, the next generation coming up, and they all, they all seem to have so much more confidence than I thought I had at that age. And mm. I'm sure probably the generation previous to us thought the same of us maybe coming up. So I wonder if it's just a case of confidence building as time moves on or... As time moves on or as we... It's hard to tell, isn't it? Is it age or is it a generational gap? Mm. I know that a conversation I've had a few times with my parents, particularly with my mum, because obviously she's also female, um, is that she can't believe how much... Um, her actual words were, you're so much less subservient in the office. I was like, um, I don't think <laughs> I'm subservient at all. I think I'm actually quite quite upfront and... yeah. I'm not arrogant, mm. but I am very assertive in yes. network. I always have been. I mean, maybe not when I was like 19, but once I hit 2021, got a proper job, then I was very much like, no, this is what I do. And, and actually, I remember going even for my internships. I would have only been 19, 18, 19. Mm. And I remember saying to them, look, I would love to work here, but I, I can I can make tea and do the photocopying much cheaper at home than in the centre of London so if that's what you want me to do please don't hire me and they all cracked up and I was like oh my yes this was at the Telegraph I was like oh my god I've lost the job and I haven't even got the job yet what have I done so Um, actually that's quite interesting because I how old were you there 19 yeah there is no way I would have said anything like that at 19 I was not interesting not confident like that in any way shape or form it was a okay um I, I in fact I'm just trying to think in sort of comparison 19 in fact yeah I couldn't even get a job at 19 that's when I moved back to England but well it was an internship first so it Mm. wasn't but but so the stakes were lower in the sense that I think at that point I'd sent 70 odd applications out and it was I was at a point where I was like actually I I only want this internship if it's going to benefit me otherwise I'd rather go back to uni so the um yeah, the, the the deal was you did a placement year or you went back and you finished your degree if you couldn't right. get a placement. So there were lower stakes. So I felt, I think maybe I, I had something else that was going to happen regardless. I was either going to finish my degree or do the placement year in a degree. So I, and it was interviewing for that, that. So that did make a difference. But equally, I was very firm in my convictions of like, actually, I only want this if it's going to be good for me. Um, and it actually turned out to be one of the best things for me because um, I learned, ended up learning how to use a camera properly there and that changed my mm. life completely. So, um, but I feel like... That wasn't creative confidence because actually when they then said, bring your portfolio, I was like, fuck, I don't have a portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) I was applying as a designer, wasn't studying a design course, didn't really have. So frantically put that together over a weekend. Um, Now you did it though, you put put it together. But I think that was self-confidence, not creative confidence. And Mm. I I think there's a difference between those two things. And I think my creative confidence has increased as I've aged with age and experience yes but my self-confidence for whatever reason has been quite solid quite early on and I've waved it around quite a lot and I do wave it around quite a lot and people like oh you're such a great you're such a confident person I'm like well there's no really much point faffing about is there but (laughs) I love you know I really admire that because actually I think I just I said to you not so long ago it's um yeah the creative confidence has definitely grown as I've got older and more experienced and you know when you start doing things and you've done them a certain number of times, you become more confident in them, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the self-confidence was basically non-existent for me many years ago. And that's maybe got better over the last 10 years, I would say. 
Um, there definitely certainly wasn't that very early on confidence, self-confidence. So interesting. Would yeah. you, do you think confidence and assertiveness are linked? Oh, yeah, I would say so. Because I, I think some of my assertiveness, looking back, although it sounds and it was uh, it was a confidence thing, some of it was also a bit of a posturing thing. Not a posturing in a bad way, but a posturing mm. in a like, no, actually, this is something I want. And so I'm just going to do what I have to do to get it, even if it makes me a bit melty and like, ah, inside. Um, <laughs> but then once I'd done it, I was like, oh, I did it and it worked. So then then I did. Then it, it came out and really daft things like I wore red shoes to work. And everyone said to me, oh, you shouldn't wear red shoes to work. That's a bit. <laughs> It's a bit. No one can tell me what it was a bit of. They yeah, can yeah. give me the description. Just they were, like, oh, it's a, a bit. bit. Yeah, it's a bit. And they did that sucky teeth thing, and I was like, guys, what, what, what's wrong with red shoes? And so then, being me, I bought three pairs of Mary Janes. One was black, which was a sop for the interview, and then I bought a magenta pair and a red pair, and I proceeded for the first week of work to wear one red and one magenta shoe to work. <laughs> I love that. Um, I absolutely love they that. They match. They were exactly the same style, and they were oh, they were bloody amazing shoes. I was so sad when they broke, but um. Yeah, and no one actually battered an eyelid. They were like, yeah. oh, yeah, she's on the design team. She's a weirdo. She's fine. Um, and I feel like that set the tone for my whole working life, oh, actually. So wait so. then. It, it, that whole idea of being on the design team and coming in, do it, you know, they're all a bit... Was that creative confidence then that, that, that made you do that with the shoes? That is a very interesting question. I have it's just never made me kind of before. think, and it's made me think, yeah. oh, maybe it's a, considered so, a creative thing because, oh, yeah, you know, no, someone in accounts you know wouldn't go and do that. I wonder if that has had more of an impact than I ever expected it to because Telegraph is an amazing paper. Mm. Um, it's full of amazing, amazing journalists, amazing editors, like amazing people that do really, really good stuff. Um, and I was incredibly lucky to placement there. And then I worked there afterwards for a little while and then I left. But... I am wondering because it is quite a corporate place, mm. you know, and it's got offices in London and people wore suits and things. We didn't have to wear suits because we were on the design desk. I mean, this was so for clarity, this was coming up for like 15, 20 years ago. So things may well have changed. I've not been back there for a really long time. But I'm wondering whether that is. A th- and actually, a lot of the, pe- the a lot of the people on the design desk had come from other papers, other so we had a real mix of like um, politics and different biases and different. It was a really really interesting space because of course if they weren't writing the stories, it wasn't so. Um, I don't know. I guess they didn't have to have the same biases as the paper. I don't know. Anyway, um, it was a really a real mixture. Like the design desk was a real mixture of humans, really great humans, but all of us were slightly odd. And I don't think any of them would be offended by me saying that. Like I think we yeah, all were no. slightly odd. And the expectation of everybody else was, "Oh, you're a designer, so you'll be a bit loopy." Well, do you know, that's really interesting. So you maybe that did boost the confidence, yeah. Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking along the lines of, obviously, we know what I did for the last 20 years. I worked for the yeah. ambulance service. And in a place where you can't really be creative in that yeah. respect, you've got a uniform to wear. You've got policies and procedures that you have to And you kind of have to, to follow the procedures. Yeah, 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 exactly. However, emergencies, yeah. Um, then I went off to, to, to train to become a paramedic. And as I was doing that, I decided that I was going to start up my photography business. So I was doing mm-hmm. that alongside it. And I started to find, I, I guess I started to rebel a little bit more against the whole uniform, not and having and yeah. stepping outside the realms of policy and procedure things like coming to work with bright purple hair you know which there there was no way that would have been allowed before but because I kind of did it yeah and because I I had more confidence to do that I guess I got to that point that's really interesting because I'm thinking I think I think the other desk that was expected to be a bit kind of wacky was the fashion desk 
and they would wear crazy stuff because mm. they got really cool samples and stuff and um but we had so i remember there was a girl and i cannot remember her name which is terrible but when she came to collect me on my first day from reception to take me up to show me round like my first day of actually working there um mm. she had red dreadlocks and trainers on and everyone else that i could see in the lifts and stuff were all in suits and I was yeah like, I think I found my tribe. <laughs> I didn't think of it like that at the time. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think it was a conscious thought. But I was like, I think I found somewhere in London I can work. This is really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think it's not. Um, yeah, I think it's not. Maybe not coincidence. Although at the time, yeah, it was, was it fate? I don't know. It's a really interesting question. I've never considered it in that way. But yes, mm. I think maybe because that was a very early part of my work identity. It was the first kind of career job that I'd had, rather than just jobs to earn money and holidays and whatever. And and it did. It shaped a huge like the, the working hours shaped my preference for working hours because it fitted my natural preferences and the management style was very much the style that I thrive under. It was very much this is what we need you to do. This is a deadline. Ask if you need a hand. Otherwise, we're going to leave you to it. Mm. And I I know that's not for everybody, but for me that worked really well. So um, and then maybe those expectations subconsciously made me feel like I could be a bit odd. I mean, yeah. I'm sure all the jobs I had after that are silently cursing, <laughs> cursing my, my team there because then I turned up to normal jobs and was like, well, obviously I'm going to have stupid clothes and stupid shoes and obviously I'm not going to turn up on time. I mean, who does that for a job? So, um, yeah, but no, it was really, really, it was a really good thing. And I think it did give me, it sounds really silly as well, having worked on a design desk, although I'm not technically a designer, has given me confidence in other things. It's given me confidence to do some of my own design work for my businesses, to be able to do some design work in jobs, um, certainly to be able to brief designers because I know what goes into it. So when I've worked in marketing roles, I've been able to work much better with... So it's given me that creative confidence that mm. I maybe wouldn't have had before, but I have never thought of it in those terms. So I'm just kind of what, insight. The, yeah, I'm just kind of listening to you there and, think, and, and other thoughts occurring to me that actually... I feel like my self-confidence grew as my creative confidence grew. Mm -hmm. As in, like, I, as, as my work got better, my creative work got better, mm -hmm. uh, and I had more confidence in what I was producing and, you know, what I was doing for people. That's when I started to do things like changing the way I dressed and the things I did with my hair. And for, okay. for one of the things was going out and getting a, t a tattoo, you know, and... And that stuff started to develop as I became more creatively confident in myself. Interesting. Because I'm almost sure mine was the other way around. Oh. I was self-confident first. How do we always end up being completely opposite? I have no I? idea. How are we even friends? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think. Because I, I think I've been... I don't know. And again, some of that, I think, is going to be um, upbringing and socialisation and those kinds of things. So my parents always encourage us. So I'm an only child. Um, and I'm a woman and for those two reasons my parents were very keen very early on that I was uh, just as good as a bloke I could do anything they could do except pee standing up I think I had that literally exact conversation with them and they were like no the only thing you can't do is pee standing up I probably because I'm stubborn probably then attempted and failed to pee standing up <laughs> give it a go um, yeah um, and I feel like there was a a real undercurrent of well there's no reason for you not to be confident so I just kind of was yeah um and I mean there were things that dented that definitely and we'll, we'll get on to kind of how histories have impacts mm. and that can be negative and positive but I think at 19 I was still relatively unsullied by any of that and so I was like well I can do this why wait yeah, I'll give it a go I'll give it a go yeah um and but then in, oh I don't know I think oh I'm having brain fireworks <laughs> I'm having all <laughs> the like fizzing ideas good. yeah brain fireworks are um, good. Yeah, 
I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I, yeah, I think I was self-confidence first. I do think my self-confidence has increased with my creative confidence, but I think I had self-confidence long before my creative confidence rocked up. Mm. Because even while I was being, like, stroppy about making tea... I wasn't stroppy about making tea when I got there. I just didn't want to spend a whole year out of uni making tea. Um, so <laughs> you even to learn something stroppy, to yeah, make it I was being assertive. Not stroppy, I was being assertive, not stroppy. When I was being assertive in interviews and when I was wearing mismatching shoes to work and all of those kinds of things... I was still very much aware of how much I didn't know. And actually mm. that was at the point that the more I learned, the more I was like, oh my God, there's... So every every new thing that I learned kind of opened the door to 25 more things that I wanted to know and didn't. So I was yeah. very aware of how much I didn't know and how much there was to learn. So mm. I would say actually in a weird way, my creative confidence then dipped be- because I suddenly saw this world of possibility. And I was yeah. like, oh, how am I going to do all of that? Um but then, but then it grew slowly, and I don't know whether that's age or experience or both. I would say it's probably mm. a bit of both, to be honest. I think. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about age for a, for a, a, yeah. a moment there. I mean, okay. How can we? How can I put this? Are we old? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, I'm older than you, Actually, Carla. No, so I'm going to share a story then, from literally from this week. So okay. I'm working with an amazing artist who's also in my studios. Hi, Juliet. Um, if you're listening, and uh, we got one of her sketchbooks out to film, and she, we realised while um, while looking at the dates on the sketchbooks that she has been an artist for longer than I have been alive. And I found this massively inspiring because I haven't ever really known anyone who's been an artist their whole life. And I know a lot of people now who are building creative careers and they're, you know, doing creative cool stuff on the side and they're building creative side hustles or they've got themselves a job that gives them time to do their creative shit. Mm. But I haven't actually really got to know someone well until now who has literally spent their whole life being an artist. Um, And among other things, you know, she's had children and stuff as well, but... I'll just you know that's a minor no it's not a minor thing but you know what I mean but 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 I've never it was a massive thing for me and actually just that interaction that specific finding that sketchbook talking about that has given me another dose of creative confidence because I'm like oh it is possible yeah you know seeing that it's possible I think is really important and I guess that's something to do with age but also I guess luck you know, if you have those role models around you, do you do you have people who have done, who, you know, do you have people to, who have gone before you so you can see it's possible? Or are you always the one having to trailblaze in your kind of friendship group or family group or circles? I think it's probably harder if you're having to trailblaze. They're like, look, you can do mad shit and still make a living out of it. <laughs> it's um, definitely a lot harder, which is yeah. generally where I am. Like, my family are amazing, but they're reasonably sensible. And um, it's usually me that's like, oh, you can do this. And they're like, really? And then three years later, they're like, oh, you can do that. And it, it's surprise yeah so it's been it's that's been a really interesting impact and also she she is obviously well obviously older than me and has different perspectives on things because of that and she is so sure of her creative ability it's magical to me mm. um yeah it's really i mean she's rightly proud and, and and sure of her her creative ability but it is the most wonderful thing to see and creating what she wants to create i think that's the other thing that's really exciting to me is creating what she wants to create not what she thinks she should be creating because I think that's something that people suffer with early in their journey Mm, absolutely Um, I know I've had conversation with writer friends who they say oh you know and I should probably make it a bit more commercially viable or you know I know that people um in photography you, you can fall into that 
the, the, the current style of portraits, can't you, rather than the portraits you really want to take, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's been a really interesting... Um, now, again, I can speak to her whether that's age or whether that's just her personality, I don't know, but it was a really interesting interaction. It I'm is. Yeah. It's, you've, you've got me doing little brain fireworks now, things just, uh-huh. just thinking about things fizzing away. But actually, what you say there about that idea of being uh creative like your whole life i mean i I kind of think even though she's been doing it for longer than you uh, well longer than you've been alive you know we've been i think we are the kind of people who've been creative our entire lives as well i know um i would say i i I, like my first very early memories are of me writing stories as a as a as a kid so Mm. i know for a long long time i was a writer long before you know before i even that's, called myself a writer that's so interesting because and then i know you had your your period long period where you didn't long write, long you? period because i'm yeah. just thinking because when you said that my face again i always forget you guys can't see us it's probably <laughs> a good thing because i'm not at my best right now um in fact i was going to take a picture of my desk and my desk is mess and mars bars that is my whole desk right now so um but i was thinking that yeah my my face went a bit suck lemonish when you said that because i was like oh I don't know. I don't think I've been creative my whole life. But likewise, my earliest memories are of writing stuff, making mm. stuff, mm. taking pictures of stuff with my mum's ancient Kodak camera, um, you know, making little radio shows, plays with my friend, like creative, creative stuff. Stuff, yeah. But through a big chunk of my childhood, I was told by teachers, not by my parents, I hasten to add, but by my teachers that I wasn't creative. And my parents could see I was academic, so there was a definite leaning, although they were very keen that I did, and they gave me all the opportunities to do all the external, um, external, what's the word I'm looking for? Extracurricular Mm. stuff. Within school, the narrative was, well, Carla's academic, so she's not creative. It it wasn't even, you're not creative, full stop. It was, well, you're academic, so you can't be creative. And it took me a really long time to come to terms with the fact that you can be both of those things. And ironically, as I get older, I realise I'm not that bloody academic. Like, (laughs) I like studying, but I do not love academia that much. Oh, yeah, I um, get that. Well, that was the same with me, really. I was kind of like, I I went through school thinking, I actually was kind of led to believe that I was the smart kid for a long, long time. You know, I was in like the top sets of a bunch of subjects and... Never mind the fact that I was actually struggling in all of those top sets. I really found them... Yeah, but you were there, therefore you must be. <laughs> exactly. And now I kind of go back and think about it and think, wow, I really was not the smartest kid in any of those classes at all. Oh, so see, I find that... Again, we're opposites again, because I was always considered the smart kid because I did no work and still came out. Oh, I hate you. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I felt so good. If it's any consolation, I then got to uni and had the fucking shock of my life. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> because I sailed through SATs and I sailed through GCSEs and I more or less sailed through A-levels. We just don't talk about the physics grade anymore. Because um, I stupidly was like, yeah, I can do all the humanities and physics. And then I pretty much failed. I mean, I scraped a pass, but it was a scrape. Um, so we don't talk about that <laughs> and uh, they very considerately it was a different exam board so I don't even have to put it on my CV anymore um, although sometimes I do for shits and giggles because you know it's fun clearly I had <laughs> weird ambitions anyway um, and then yeah so I and I, you know it's not that I didn't it not, not that I didn't work hard but I didn't have to work I could recognise even then that even when I was working hard I was not having to work at the same level as some of my friends to get similar or better grades and that is probably really fucking annoying actually um, I was very lucky that both my parents encouraged me not to say too much about it and my friends were very forgiving lovely people and I also wasn't an asshole. 
So mm. that hopefully helped. However, I then got to university and got through the first two weeks. I'm like, this is great. And then got to the point where we actually started learning. It was like, fuck, everyone's at the same level as me. And there's some stuff I don't know. And I'm actually going to have to, oh my God, how do, how do you do this? What is, uh, what is this? And yeah, so if that helps, that was the definite shock to the system. That was possibly the point at which I realised I wasn't as academic as everyone told me I had been. When it came to actually studying in ac- academia, not so much. So actually, I mean, I did all right, but not yeah. so much. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, uh, actually then... Thinking about that, when would you actually say that you kind of started to think of yourself as a creative? Oh, um, there must have been a transition of sorts when I was at uni mm. because I applied for a design internship and I took quite a vocational creative-ish course over. So, yeah, so I think I think the, the first stirrings of it was when I had the argument about what course I was going to do at uni with my head of year. Yeah. Um, they wanted me to do classics and English and I said no I really want to do publishing with a minor in English and they were like what are you going to do with that and I was like work in books and magazines and they were like really um, so that was yeah that was probably the first stirrings then I went to uni and obviously there was loads more stuff there that I could throw myself into there was photography society and there were there was just loads of stuff that you could do and again it's different people so I didn't have to be the academic annoying one anymore not that I was ever annoying I hope but <laughs> I could just be Carla and you had the self-expression, so I definitely started dressing more interestingly at uni. Definitely started to have arguments with the boyfriend, so the long-term boyfriend from 14. He was great, but I do sometimes feel a bit sad for him because actually his fairly sensible girlfriend got to uni and started doing mad stuff like taking model horses to model horse shows and painting and wearing odd shoes. And I I mean, I was just expressing myself, yeah. but he was probably a bit like, who the fuck are you and what have you done with my girlfriend? Like, <laughs> you know, he was very good about it, but he was always a bit bemused. And I feel that that was probably reasonable. And at the time, I was cross with him for being bemused. In hindsight, I feel like actually that was okay. But so that's when the stirrings, I would say 18, 19 were the stirrings of creativity. Then I went and did my internship and was very much like a junior creative. I was like a creative in training. But that gave me, you're right, actually, I hadn't really thought of it in those terms. But I think that did start to give me that identity of you work on a design desk, you're a junior designer, you're training to be a designer. Therefore, you can be a creative. Mm. And then when did I start calling myself? I, I don't think I've ever somebody said to me the other day I can't believe you ever thought you weren't creative because it oozes out of you and I was like I'm not sure oozing is the word that I would have chosen no in that I situation. would oozing, I think oozing is a good word I would have gone with like bursting rather no, than oozing I think oozing. no you say oozing okay. I say oozing definitely ooze out of every pore okay yeah I, okay I was thinking more like oozing like blood which is not really oh god no <laughs> I mean, I don't really want my creativity to leak out. That would be, you know, it was definitely a compliment in the context that, that the conversation was had. But anyway, she said, I don't, I can't believe because it just oozes out of you and it infects other people. Like your infectious enthusiasm and you, you get other people to believe that they're creative. And like, how could anyone ever have looked at you and thought that you weren't creative? And I was like, I don't know, but they did. And yet, even with all of that, as we've discussed before, it took me until 2016 before I could say, I am a photographer. And even then it was like, I'm a photographer. Whereas now I say, hi, I'm Carla, I'm a photographer. And uh, 33 other different things that I do Mm. that are also creative. But it it was a long, long transition for me to have enough confidence to say, that's what I am and that's what I do. And that is a creative pursuit. And that is a creative industry. So that, yeah, it was different. And yet all along, I was still very self-confident secure in myself able to be assertive able to say what I wanted able to express myself through my dressing and my writing and my blogging so I am not sure is the honest answer to that question so there's a few things I kind of 
heard there the first the, the first most interesting one I want to say it before I forget about it was there was like there were certain phrases you used there like finding myself and identity and and mm. and comparing that creativity to those things like that mm. and that resonates with me because I feel mm. like actually that's that's probably my journey as well but I'm going to top you you thought that oh. was a long time I knew I was creative from single figures mm-hmm. with my age and I didn't I don't feel like I had the confidence to say I was creative until I was well into my 30s. Yeah. I just so, did a fish mouth. So sorry. Fish mouth, I just yeah. realized that was silent. I just my jaw You know when your jaw drops? Yeah. yeah jaw dropped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They may even hear the sound of it. You know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> it was quite close to the mic. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So um I yeah, I go I go back to the I've told the story before about when we went to uh Liz Gilbert's workshop, big magic workshop, yeah. you know, and uh, and, and that was magical. It was magical. And how I sat there annoyed at myself thinking you know if you'd have carried on writing 10 15 years ago you could be her by now kind of thing and I think actually that comes down to my creative confidence I wonder if I I I always said it was writer's block but I mean no one can have writer's block for 15 fucking years I think that's oh I don't know really I I think I I think I could have made a better effort to get back over it if I if I really wanted to or if I was really well no I don't know I think sometimes that's the thing we assume that it's something that we can get over by sheer force of will and I don't know if it is I think sometimes it needs external stuff to Mm. get us over that I I don't know I think sometimes you need someone to interfere or tell you something or for me it was when someone said someone said well I've had a few few people but I had a an email from a very dear friend of mine. And she said, but you already are a photographer because you already have the requisite awkward relationship with it. And I was like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I you love probably that. got a point. She then went on to say some other very wise things, including <laughs> educating me about the taste gap, which we've also talked about briefly yeah. on here before, which I was not aware of. And I was like, oh, my God, you're in my head. That's that's why I f- don't feel like I can call can myself this. Can we get this, this person on, not... on, on the podcast? Yes, that'd be we, amazing. Can. we absolutely can. Um <laughs> So, well, I say, yes, we absolutely can. I'm in the process of persuading her. We'll see. Um, but I think she will eventually capitulate, if only to stop me nagging. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, and that for me, I can trace that back now to the, that was the trigger point where I was like, oh, oh yeah. Like, even if I don't say it, I'm still doing it. So I might as well say it. And that was massive. Um, but it took someone else pointing out. I don't think I would ever have come to that conclusion on my on my own. I mean, it's hard to say, obviously, isn't it? But I, I know my own internal thoughts fairly well, and I don't think I would ever have made those steps myself. Mm. Despite having, I mean, my self confidence took a massive dip with the London job because it was just a bad fit, and then things that are a bad fit don't generally enhance your anything do they yeah so I know when I came out of that I was dipping in both and then they kind of grew together um but apart from that I would say my self-confidence has been fairly steady all throughout but my creative confidence has kind of gone on a bit of a a wobbly upward journey oh absolutely definitely Mm. um just saying that actually it's uh I'm just trying to think back to the the point I'm I'm wondering what your tipping point was in like when you got to your 30s and that was what what was your my tipping point, I, I very distinctly remember, actually, it was turning 30. I actually remember turning 30 and realising to myself, I don't know whether I'd stumbled across an old journal or something. Ooh. And and I'd always had this dream that one of the things I was going to do with my life was I was going to be a famous 
screen uh, writer and I was going to get an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. This is what I was going to do. That's so cool. I did not know that about you. And uh, did you not? Did I, I no, you you've never told me that. It was totally inspired by um, uh, Goodwill Hunting. The boy, you know, the because yeah. I was I, that was going to be me. I was going to do that. But um, I hit thirty, and I suddenly realised that I, I I was about as far away from having that kind of a life as humanly possible. I was just about to become a paramedic and. You know, doing the thing that I'd never, ever thought I was going to do with my life. And also, I suddenly realised at that point that I basically hadn't done anything creative for the last five or six years. And I felt, I immediately felt really sad about that. Um, So actually, I feel like I kind of pushed myself back into doing something creative. That's when I went off and discovered that I couldn't paint after buying all of the the bits and pieces. I remember, yeah. Uh, and, and finding that photography was my medium. I I think I tried to go back to writing very briefly because I'd, I'd gone through a phase of starting to try and write some poems and bits and pieces and looking at all of them and realising that, they well, to me, they were all shit. Um... <laughs> Welcome to creativity, I would well, say. Yeah, absolutely. This is what I should have realised at the time. But um, so I... I I guess I wasn't confident enough to go back to writing at that point. So that's why I think I found photography instead. I knew I needed some kind of creative outlet. I just didn't know what that was or what sort of form that would take. So, and then obviously the long and roundabout way of it is eventually that I did actually come back to writing. Photography kind of brought me back to it. Um, and again, I could almost kind of kick myself that I hadn't gone back to writing 10 years before because because I knew that's what I'd always wanted. To, that's what I always was. I was a writer, first You're and writer foremost. First. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah. The, that bit is the bit that oozes out of me. That's before, And that's why I've always said to you, you know, I find Maybe it easy to say that I'm a, oozing. Oh, well, yes, embrace the oozing, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, I should, you know, that's why I've always said to people with absolute confidence, I'm a writer before I've ever mm-hmm. been able to say you know after taking years to learn to say i'm a photographer i could Mm. very quickly turn around and say i'm a writer so i don't know whether it's maybe it's it is the maybe it's the medium that you choose you know with creative confidence maybe certain certain (sighs) things no i don't know because again like like you totally totally similar Mm. weirdly Except not different, yeah. different way around, but similar. Yeah, I've never had an issue saying I'm a writer because I've never not written. But yeah. it took me bloody years to be able to say I was a photographer, even under my breath, let alone out loud and confidently uh, and happily. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. And yet, people believe you. So I would say that's that's a really interesting experiment in creative confidence. And actually, my best experiment in that, personally, I would say, is when I took up mermaiding and then I took it up professionally and made a business out of it. And then I had to say to people, I'm a professional mermaid. And that was the best test I have ever had. Now, I don't think I would have done that if I wasn't already at not quite peak creative confidence, but approaching peak creative confidence. Like, I feel like I'm definitely in a, in a point now where I feel like everything is behaving as it should. I mean, there's still shit tons to learn and I still absolutely get self-doubt and imposter syndrome and yeah, you know, stressful days. Absolutely. But I feel like I'm... And, you know, I, I may never master my craft because there's always so much more that you can learn. But I am well experienced now i know what i'm doing i know how to do it um 
arguably I now know more uses for lube inside a mermaid tail than you would ever <laughs> wish to know about. And Definitely. Know that comes up way more often in my life than I would like Just, it to. It's, not like it's the way thing more relevant than you would ever expect. It's not <laughs> the thing you would equate with being a mermaid, is it? Lube, let's it's face it. It's not even the thing that you would equate with me. Like, no, I'm well, not no. someone that talks about crude stuff that much <laughs> and then suddenly I'm just constantly talking about lube. It's very weird. Anyway, um, but... So saying you're a, so it was a really weird test because when I started telling people I was a photographer, I had this terrible fear, which now feels ridiculous, but at the time was very, very real to me. And I don't know if you had similar. I thought that I would say I was a photographer and someone would say, don't be bloody stupid. Of course you're not. <laughs> Obviously, mean... nobody said that. I mean, I have had the occasional male photographer try and like out technical me, but that's just fun because I can technical back if I have to. Um but no one has actually said, no, you're not. No one has actually said, but you can't be because you're shit. Because those things are not true. They just happened in my head. But they were very real for all that they were happening in my head. But when I was a mermaid, it was such a ridiculous thing to do. I don't think I had the same thought process. I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a part-time professional mermaid. And people were like, okay. And that, uh, there I are feel no words a good, to that, are there? But, uh, there, I mean, what do you say to that, really? That is probably it. It's probably just like, I don't know how to respond to that. But, okay. but I also think if in terms of like building your creative confidence, building up your confidence or your self-confidence come to that, because actually I think if I wasn't a very self-confident person with oh, quite yeah. rock-solid self-esteem, bearing in mind I'm also fairly plus size and not model plus size, I'm just squidgy plus size, <laughs> um, I probably wouldn't have had the guts to do it in the first place. Um because people do look at you and they do make stupid comments. But but crucially, they might make stupid comments when you're in the newspaper or when you're walking past them. Bit but when you actually face. go up to someone and say, hi, I'm Carla. I'm a photographer and I'm a pre- professional mermaid. I can't even bloody say it. Professional mermaid. People go, that's really cool. I'm an accountant and I run a crafting business on the side. And then you just start talking. Like nobody is ever going to question that. And if nobody yeah. questions that, you can be anything you want to be. I love that. I think we just just like, just leave that there in blazing just neon that. lights. That's just... <laughs> but it's it's true. Like I think if you if you say something with conviction, yes, no one's going to question you, um, and you're unlikely to say it with conviction if you're not doing it. Like I would never say, "Oh, I'm Carla. I love spreadsheets." It's not going to come out right because I fucking hate spreadsheets. <laughs> so if I say it, it's going to come out with a hurt at the end or it's going to come out as a wobble or I'm going to look anywhere but at you while I say it. There's going to be all the tells that I'm lying. I think um, as well, just to interrupt you there, I think... No, carry on. Because um, you've just reminded me of a story about kind of like how I described to people wh- how it was I was able to start saying I'm a photographer with confidence. Mm. Um, and actually, it was it was a good few years um, after I'd been running a photography business and I, I went to um, a conference in Sweden called Way Up North. And it was... Uh, oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. It, I went to the very first one. It was absolutely incredible. I was terrified the entire time. I was staying in a room with, like, I can't remember how many of, of us there were now, like seven or eight other f- photographers that I thought were amazing. So I was feeling like the very little person. Um, and... Uh, the first night before it all started, we all had to go to this hotel to kind of sign in, get our bits and pieces. And they, they had a, they said like, go to the bar and you can all go and chat with each other and that kind of thing. So being the complete and utter introvert I was, and also feeling like, oh my God, I'm a complete imposter here because I'm not a photographer, you know, amongst all these other photographers. Especially when they're photographers that you like look up to and follow and stuff. Well, I mean, the ones I was staying with that I would probably say, you know, I I was was able to talk to them and get on well with them. But as I was at the bar, stood there by myself because everyone had kind of wandered off to go and, you know, talk to people that they knew. And I turned and there was this photographer there who I 
really admired. She was like, as far as I was concerned, she was like the the um, Hollywood star of like. You're gonna have to tell me who she is. I can't. I can't. I can't do it on here now. But not on here. Like, no, oh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. You can tell me afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. Um, and uh, and she was kind of by herself as well. And she turned around and we were briefly chatting. And she went to me. I know you. You're um, blah blah blah. And she said photographer. And I was like. Oh, oh, oh my god she thinks I'm a photographer <laughs> and I had this whole <laughs> hot sweat thing uh, but it was lovely to suddenly actually find someone that I you know held up on a pedestal massively high referring to me as a photographer and it was actually after that point that I was like oh, well actually I can call myself a photographer I felt like it was almost like she gave me the permission to, to say yeah. that yeah. Um, that's very Elizabeth Gilbert is it? Yeah, we did that whole giving yourself permission, giving your permission slip. Oh, yes, slip. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go back to my journals again and, and do those ex- Sorry, I just, again. that made me think of, yeah, but you're right. I think that permission slip to, to do, to, to be, yeah, to, to be say that, that you are what you are. Because yeah, yeah. I think that's the stupid thing, isn't it? I don't think anyone decides, I don't recall deciding to be creative. It just oozed. I'm going to have to accept oozed. the fecking oozing. It is, I'm afraid it's It just oozed, oozed out of me. Mm-hmm. And it did have an impact on friendships and relationships word. and stuff. Oh. Radiates. Radiates. Yeah, I'm happy with radiates. Well, oh, I don't know. I quite like, now, now I've said it, I quite like it. She likes the schmooze, schmooze there. Schmooze, <laughs> yeah. Um, don't bring the schmooze back into it again. Not the schmooze. Oh, the schmooze. We had the same thought at the same time. <laughs> the schmooze. Um, no, it's not the schmooze. It's the smooth. It's the smooth. The smooze. Because the smooze is bad and the schmooze is Anyway, Never mind. Uh, moving swiftly onwards. Um, no, I'm. I I really love that actually, but I I think I don't. I don't think there was a point where I decided to be creative. I'm not sure with with anyone there is a point where they decide to be creative and study something creative. I think you you know that that's part of you. Yes. So it and and actually, I think I suppressed it for a while, and then when it came to something really important like choosing a university course. I kind of looked at the things I should do, I was supposed to do, and went, eh, yeah. <laughs> She did a horrible little shudder um, then as well, as she? Yeah. <laughs> um, like a reverse shimmy. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, once I was... And I think, actually, the reason... So I am literally talking as thoughts come into my head, yeah, so I apologise if this is Carry not very on. coherent. <laughs> I think the reason that it's it made itself known at that point, where I'd kind of suppressed it and been like the good the good sensible person quiet and sensible I don't recognize my school self um is because I was making a decision that was going to impact the next three to four years of my life and then my career beyond that Mm. and something in me went no you can't do the supposed to thing you now have to do the thing that you need to do You, you have to do something that's more you and so I did in a small way and actually I managed a really good blend of creative and practical because I think if I'd studied art I was so it was so ingrained in me that I wasn't creative and I couldn't draw and I still can't bloody draw. Drawing is not my medium. Mm. Um, I suspect if I tried to do like an art foundation, I would have just dropped out and been really discouraged. So actually, I think it worked really well. But equally, had I gone to read classics somewhere, I think I also would have dropped out from pure boredom because it just wasn't what I wanted to do. But I think it was only because I was at that point where I had to make a decision that was going to... It was going to be a long, a long consequence of a decision that something in me went hi little easy bit hi you need mm. to do this now but again i don't think it was that clear at the time at the time it was just an impulse that i had to follow um which kind of makes me go back to as well um, i makes me think then actually mm. it's i think probably life experiences the things that are happening to us probably have a really big effect 
on on yes. that. So as you were saying that, I suddenly thought to myself, do you know what? If I'd have stayed at home living in Malta with my family and I'd gone to college like my mum wanted me to and went to university, I probably would have done the same thing. I probably would have gone and studied English or, um, you know, done a creative writing degree back then or mm. something. But no, I decided actually I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to move to England, which meant I had to get a job um, yes. because I needed to be able to pay rent. To and, yeah, yes. exactly. Um, and that's that's how I ended up fall, literally falling into the ambulance service because, oh, it sounded interesting, but it was also paying a damn good wage for no qualifications. So, yep. um, and then obviously, you know, that kind of took over because once you join something like the ambulance service, it does take over your entire life to the point of you stop writing and you stop doing You've all the things. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it just kind of makes me think how life experiences have that effect on like your creativity. Yes, but then the other way round, I suppose, you are the very emotive creative that you are in both your photography and your writing, mm. I think at least in part because of your experiences in the ambulance service. Yeah, oh yeah, I agree. It's just um, I still fucking hate that it got in the way. <laughs> oh, 100%, 100%. No, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but I think I wonder sometimes, because it's funny, actually, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I was like, oh, I just I really wish I'd done this earlier. I really wish when I first learnt at 19, 20 and then, you know, my, my boss um, at the newspaper taught me to use camera and his enthusiasm for photography was infectious. And then I went back to uni and learnt properly with the Photography Society. And I, I, I keep. I keep saying to people, oh, I wish I'd done it then. And they mm. were like, but if you'd done it then, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. You wouldn't be doing brand photography, living in your little village by the sea with your cats because it was everything else in your life that you've done in between that has led you to this point where you're living the life that you dreamed of. And I was like, well, that's a bit of a head fuck, isn't it? <laughs> but um, true, very, very true. Yes. Yeah. And likewise, you know, had you not got into the ambulance service, you wouldn't have met Stu. So you wouldn't mm. be living in Canada right now. This is true. And arguably, we wouldn't know each other. No, this is very true. We probably wouldn't. Um, and I know that you can you can go back and do that what if, what if about everything. But I, I do, I don't know. I also think I'm a much better photographer and artist now. Oh, there, there's a word that was hard to call myself. Artist, there's a yeah. word I still struggle to call myself sometimes. But again, this week has, I've, I've had some good, some good chats that have made me realise that there is no right or wrong way to be an artist. Therefore, Absolutely. I already am one. Therefore, I might as well use the bloody word. But that is a word that for me is very emotionally loaded for some reason. Not, not because I've got good or bad associations, but it feels like you need to like be a proper artist. And I'm like, am I a proper artist? I mean, I am. But am I? It's a very weird one. But what is a proper um, artist, though? That's the thing. Who the fuck yeah. knows? There's, there's a little, I don't know, like a little library in my Do, head. Is it because you, a book you need to have an art degree it. and you need to, you know, oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. I genuinely don't know what my what my version to the to be able to say that is. But that that's something I'm experiencing right now. And I suspect in another year or two, we'll revisit this on the podcast. And I'll go, really, Carla? You're fine. <laughs> Obviously, you're an artist. Obviously. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting one because I remember feeling like this about, about photographer and about other things. Um, and now I've totally lost my train of thought because I rambled. Sorry. What okay. were we saying just before? We were talking about... The irony that we're recording, but we can't go back and check what we said. I know, it's really frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it just? <laughs> um, uh, what we, oh, we're talking about like how our histories have affected... Um, oh, yeah. So I think I am a better... I think, I know mm. I am a better brand photographer because of all my business experience. Yes. And I am a better business mentor because of all my working alongside a full-time job 
experience and my business experience and I'm a better brand photographer for having this range of businesses that I've started and range of people that I've known and range of places that I've worked in and I know that I'm a better artist for all of the experiences I've had up to and including bereavement um which I probably if I tried to do what I'm doing now at 20 22 I'm not saying you shouldn't when you're younger like absolutely that's a good thing if you do but for me personally I think if I'd started instead of starting the journey then if I'd started then what I'm doing now I don't think I would do it in the same way wouldn't necessarily be bad but I wouldn't be the person I am now doing what I'm doing now my creative my creativity would be different and I find that again a little bit of a head fuck um Oh, God. So we've had some huge technical difficulties, folks, um, which is probably why this all sounds a little bit weird now. But um... <laughs> and, and a little bit hysterical from my side. Like, <laughs> no, it's fine. Basically, my mic stopped working. So we've uh, we've had to pause while we've made some drastic, desperate um, repairs, temporary repairs. And now, and now neither of us can remember what we were talking about. So we just have to carry on going. But with what we, we did promise you like the authentic uncut experience on this, this podcast so i mean we'll spare true. you the i can't hear you i can't hear you no i still oh. can't hear you because that's all you'll hear from my side <laughs> while sarah's microphone wasn't working we'll spare you that bit yeah, of authenticity absolutely. Um, but uh yeah we uh we are back so we were talking about history impact on creative confidence something, yeah, something along, those, along lines. those lines Wait, do you know what i was going to ask a question actually before of what happened happened and uh, it was something along the lines of because we talked about um like specifically how our experiences have impacted our creative confidence and i think one of the things that we both kind of were thinking earlier on was about our sort of like our teenage years and the the influences we have like through childhood and how that that i mean is that an impact on your creative confidence or on your self-confidence or everything am i getting too deep or (laughs) i know i would not be a teenager again if you paid me millions oh dear god no absolutely not i mean i didn't even have a particularly bad teenage time i had great friends i had a boyfriend i had a brilliant home life like i did not have a bad time Mm. and i still wouldn't go back if you paid me millions it was bloody horrendous (laughs) um and i think being a teenager is just not a fun thing i think a lot of people take out their frustrations on their peers i think that it's really important when you're a teenager to fit in and i have never fit in ever mm. in my life and the harder i try to fit in the more obvious it is that i don't and that i'm a bit of an oddball and i'm really proud of being an oddball but it's really hard when you're 15 um yeah no i don't i think i don't think that's too deep i think actually probably for a lot of us our teenage years are where some of the uh imposter stuff comes from and the yes. oh maybe i can't do this and oh who am i to do such and such a thing Absolutely. or oh my god you're so weird why would you want to do that um or what is that that you've made like what's that supposed to mean do you know I, I think i think there's a lot of um can you tell i had some interesting comments when i was young um, <laughs> none of the, you know the stu- though? it's quite interesting because i that that whole weirdness and everything i really embraced that as a teenager probably because i was i think i was very heavily depressed at that age as well um and so i went through a real phase of being like i i wanted to be a goth basically i was not were you a proper emo sarah i I was a total emo i really was before it was an emo it was like i I was it was yeah i know you were yeah Um, you predated the emo trend i I did yeah i'm too old but uh, (laughs) but um i there was something about it I, i think i almost suppressed a lot of the weirdness that I wanted to be as a teenager and it was that that started to come back out when I realized 
um, when I started to admit, like, actually, you are a creative person, sort of back in the 30s. And that's when I started doing some stuff that I would have done as a, as a teenager quite happily and yeah. almost felt like, actually, this is this is me. This is myself. This is the person I wanted to be. See, I find that so interesting ago. because again, we've got that question of identity, haven't we, coming mm. back up? And I, for me, I think we, I think I have actually mentioned it. I can't remember which episode it was in. Maybe in my first interview here when we did it, when we interviewed each other. Mm. Um, but I know that in year seven, when we had our first uh, non-uniform day, um, everyone else rocked up in Adidas and Kappa sportswear because that's what was in fashion. <laughs> oh, oh and God. I turned up in uh, Western boots and a Stetson hat because that's what I liked wearing in my free time. Yeah. And I saw nothing wrong with. It. I mean, I got a lot of shit for it. But I also, that, that's what I wanted to wear. So, mm. and I've never particularly liked, I mean, I love leggings, but I don't really love jogging bottoms. And that's, you know, I love trainers now, but all my trainers are like different fabric colours. I don't really wear normal ones. Um, so, you know, you can see that stuff coming out and part of your identity. But I feel like that was probably the last time until I was in sixth form that I did something that was entirely me without any thought for what other people would think. That's so sad. I find that really sad. Yeah. Isn't it? I'm not that I didn't do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was still, as I say, I never, I I always had loads of friends. I had a really nice time at school for the most part. I also had a bunch of bullying, but I had good enough friendship groups that it wasn't, um, it wasn't as disastrous as it could have been. Mm. I'm also fairly feisty, fairly stubborn, fairly able to swear back at people. So I know, right? (laughs) So it was, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it maybe could have been. However, I, yeah, there there was that thing of, and I think that's probably really crucial to creativity. So I don't think that necessarily dented my self-confidence, but that definitely dented my self-expression and my creative mm. confidence. Because what people say does make a difference when you're that age. And you do kind of want to, I don't know, I wanted to fit in, even though I knew I wasn't going to, because I also liked the stuff that made me not fit in. It sounds like you were much more, but then actually something you said just now really resonated with you. You said, oh, I really embraced being different probably because I was quite depressed I mean how sad is that that you were mm. able to like how it shouldn't take being depressed to embrace being ourselves no like, that shouldn't absolutely. be a correlation that happens I agree um, I admire you for doing what... it while being depressed but it shouldn't be a thing that uh, yeah. actually you're saying that 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 is actually for a long time that's why and I, I think this is why I had ended up with writer's block um was because I wrote through my depression that's what I did I used writing as a, a means of dealing with that I didn't realize mm-hmm. that until many years later but that's what I was doing and the time when I stopped writing was actually when um I ended up in a relationship and I was very happy and the two things just didn't kind didn't, of you'd never had them at the same time yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah, so I'd never sense. written happy before so um interestingly that's how I feel about being thin I've only ever oh. been slim and thin when I've been miserable as fuck. So <laughs> I'm never likely to be acceptably, societally acceptably slim. I mean, I'm really happy with my body even as it is. Yeah. Although it's very much not acceptably anything at the moment. Um, but I like and it, so it's fine. It's fine. I'm Don't happy worry. with it and that's all that matters. Exactly. Um, but no, but I I recognise, um, or it took me some time to recognise, I recognise that um, I have only ever... So I totally, totally resonate with what you've just said because... I have only ever lost significant amount of weight. You can tell how often I do this. It's not bloody often, is it? (laughs) I've only ever lost significant amounts of weight when I have been utterly, utterly in the depths of despair. Mm. And then when I get happier, the weight goes back on again. So for me, I don't want to be thin because that automatically means I'm going to be miserable. That's not necessarily the case, but that's what it feels like. And I can imagine that was the same for you. If you'd been sad and writing and then you got happier and you stopped writing... 
your your brain makes weird associations, doesn't mm. it, which aren't necessarily which why, accurate. Yeah, but I think that's probably why I didn't write for so so long. Yeah. As well because there's a fear kind of... as well in there it there's is. a fear of like yeah. oh what if i do that and then i ruin everything which you wouldn't but you don't know i think my worry was actually not so much about ruining it ruining everything it was about putting myself back into that that space that that, that space. space that i'd been in you oh, know okay. so yeah. um and it took a long time for me to get over that but i did kind you... of think go on sorry did you read any of your writings once you'd stopped writing them uh i i have since i've still got all of them um but did you while box. you weren't if you see what I mean, did you read them while you weren't writing, or did you just put the whole thing, no, to, like the whole, the whole the whole thing, thing in a box, pretty much? Yeah, like, I think yeah, I did okay. put the whole thing away. I've I've okay. read them since when, I, to be honest, I don't think I probably could have done that then. Um, okay. It, I think I need. It's almost like a, maybe like a trauma response. You kind of have to. Yeah. You put that stuff it away. Yeah, literally. Yeah, exactly. Later. Yeah, yeah. A, an appropriate distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because when I read the stuff now, it really makes me quite sad. You know that mm. I felt that way um, for a long, long time. So, um, yeah. But I, I mean, obviously, I don't know what I did to kind of get past that and almost so, develop the confidence to write and know that it's not because I was unhappy that I yeah. was writing. So. I wonder if some of that goes back to to age, though. Mm, that maybe. as we get older, we care less about what other people think and we are more in tune with what we like and so maybe there was something in you as you got older that you were like well I could give it a go Mm. um and I wonder if things are less there's less there's both more and less stakes in taking things up later on isn't there but I feel like now when I was younger I've I mean I've always done loads of stuff so I've always been happy to be bad at something because I know I'll learn to be good at it or I'll just stop and that's fine yeah but as I've got older, I found it much, much easier to try something and laugh at my initial attempts at doing it <laughs> and not worry at all. And, you know, try something that actually I know I'm not going to take up as a hobby, but do it with a mate because it looks like fun um, or it looks horrendous. But, hey, you should try everything once. You know, as long as it doesn't involve jumping out of anything at a height, I'm I'm kind of probably quite willing to give it a go. I am actually with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, like that doesn't look like fun. If it looks like fun, I'll give it a go. If it doesn't, probably not. But. I wonder if there's something from from the creative standpoint um, that maybe maybe the older we get, the more willing we are to try stuff. And so mm. then we don't... Because we know maybe with experience... I mean, again, I'm having that thinking, speaking as thinking, so it may not make a lot of sense. Yeah. But as the older we get, the more experience we have that you can try something and you can put it down. Like, you don't have to do the thing forever. Whereas I think with that identity thing when you're younger, I, I know for a long time I was like, oh, but if I... Even with dyeing my hair, weirdly, uh, which is like the most reversible thing ever. Yeah. Um, if you hate it, and I mean it's maintenance, but it's perfectly easily to to continue and to vary. But for ages, I didn't dye my hair because I was like, well, what if I hate it? Literally, that. Or what if it goes green? What if it goes green and I hate it? That was the reason <laughs> I did not dye my hair for about five years, which is stupid because. Whereas when I got to a point where I had, I had, I had, I had flirted with dyeing my hair and I'd ballsed it up horribly. And I dyed it back to brown and it was totally fine. And then I got much braver because I was just hair. Yeah. So I wonder if there's something, there's a parallel there with, with creativity where you, you feel like you can try the writing because actually if you don't like it and it does put you back in that headspace, you can just put it down. Whereas when you're younger, it's a bit raw and a bit like, oh, actually, I just don't want to go there. Yeah, I don't know. Is that, that maybe, makes me kind of think as well. Maybe does that is that the same as why it is we... Um, we set up our creative businesses as well or is it a case of do you know what let's let's give this a try and see 
I mean, I know I you've got know. A di- yours is probably a different take because you've you've had businesses for a long, long time. I whereas for me, not. it's much more recent. Yeah, my businesses were not optional. They were not something I ma- they weren't even something I made a conscious decision to do. They were just mm. something that I couldn't not have as soon as I knew it was possible to run a business from my kitchen table except it wasn't even mine it was my parents kitchen table in fact it wasn't even that it was like my bedside table at one point because the kitchen table was dad's (laughs) dad's domain where he was running his business from no I think the minute I knew it was possible it was something that I started looking into costing up saving for planning for It, it wasn't a I don't think running a business for me was a creative wasn't linked to a creative decision it was something mm. that I had to do and then the creativity like right because my the first business I wanted to run was a online bookshop so yeah, the the that. intention was the on <laughs> I nearly bought an online bookshop I had a, a meeting with a guy who was selling one and I went to see his um, inventory of books and it was bloody amazing and I think he wanted was it like nine grand for it and it turned over like 14 grand a year. So it wasn't a big business, but I was working full time and I was on my 24 or something. So it seemed like a really good idea. Mm. And I was going to put the money I'd saved towards my car, my, my poppy car, my sports car towards it. And my parents were going to loan me the rest and I was going to make it up. And we had it all proper planned out and it was brilliant. And then I realised that I couldn't because I couldn't let go of the books. So I would go and buy ah. the books. And so I actually went to a book fair to, to buy some books for me. And it was when I was at the book fair that I realised that I would buy all the books. And then when people bought the books, I'd cancel their orders and refund them because I'd want to keep the books. And this was probably not a viable so actually, business plan. you weren't buying a business at all. You were just buying yourself a giant I was just library. buying like 20,000 books in a warehouse. Yeah, that was in a garage. And I was going to move them to my garage. Yeah, that, that was... So for me, the business impulse was not linked to creativity. The creative... Like making a business out of creativity okay. came later. But... But I would say that's because in my early 20s, I was still developing that creative identity. So don't forget, I only have, I only picked up a camera and sure. learned how to use it properly and learned that you could be a photographer yeah. aged 19, 20. So two or three years later, I was still like, oh, this is exciting. But oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. So mm. the two things converged for me separately. I mean, okay. can you converge separately? They they were separate and then they converged. Yes. Yeah, I understand. That. Yeah. Which and is that interesting. Makes, that makes a lot of sense, actually, because I think, yeah. I, I, I've been pursuing creative things for a long, long time, all as a, a, a just a hobby. You know, it was all stuff that I was doing uh, for me, really. It was all, yeah. uh, all, all done. And it wasn't, it was only when, oh God, I think, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was probably that first couple who wanted me to photograph their wedding that I, I thought to myself, oh, maybe I can actually make a business out of this. And I've never, ever considered running a business. That was something mm. that never even crossed my mind. So... So it's more of an organic, I'm going to do this and then it's going to become a business. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting, yeah. actually. So, yeah. I mean, that makes me think about... I don't know how... Well, I think it does fit into, into creative confidence. How do you make sure that you have enough... Com- so one of the things that put me off for a really long time... So I remember saying, about 2012, 2012, 2013-ish, saying to a colleague of mine, I'd love to do photography full-time. And she said, hmm... But what if you hated it when you were doing it all the time? And I went, "Mm, everyone said that to me. And everybody I spoke to, they were like, oh, but if it's your hobby and you have to do it all the time, you'll hate it. And then there was a point where I was like, but I love this. I can't not. This is the thing I cannot not do. This is the thing that if I if I never made a penny from it, I would still do it. So let's give it a go. Let's see if I can make some money out of it. And if I don't, I'll stop. I'll make some money from something else and I'll still fucking do it because I cannot imagine not documenting my world. I can't imagine not taking pictures of people. I can't imagine not having access to a camera. I mean, if I didn't have a camera, I would presumably find another way to annoy the world with my take on things. But the camera is the way I do that the best. And I don't think... 
I think my creative confidence, so that would that would have been just after the London job where all of my confidence was at an all-time low. But I think there was a level of creative, specifically creative confidence that came into me going, do you know what? You guys all think this is a stupid idea and there's millions of photographers, and there are, and the market is saturated, and there is, and everyone's got an iPhone, and they do, but I'm going to give this a go anyway because actually I think I will love it. And it turns out I do. I very rarely have problems getting up to go for shoots. I very rarely have problems getting up and doing my editing. I get behind on my editing because I get too absorbed in it. But I don't have, so far, two and a half years in, full time, I've never had a problem getting up for a client. I have massive problems getting up to do my accounts. I have massive problems (laughs) managing my emails. Um, I do not jump out of bed on the days that I have to do admin. But I I freaking love the photography side. I mean, I love running the business as well. But in terms of that, everyone said, oh, but if you do a creative thing every day, you won't love it anymore. It won't be creative anymore. And that, I think, is a really common... And I can't work out if it's naysaying or if it's an actual fear or if it's coming from someone else's experience. But actually, it's not been my experience. So, um, hands up. The the reason I didn't go full-time with my photography business for close to 10 years is because I was afraid that I would fall out of love with it as soon as I did. Interesting. Do you so, know why you thought that? Do you know why you were afraid of that? I think, was it you or was it other people or was it No, no, it was all me. Absolutely. People kept oh, okay. on saying to me, "Why, you know, why aren't you going full-time with this? You should you should, you know, leave the ambulance service, go and do this full-time." And um I was very much of the mind that I think because I loved it so much and I didn't want to not love it anymore um and the the thing i used to say to people was if i i feel like if i'm relying on it to pay my bills to pay my mortgage mm-hmm. it's going to become just like any other job it's going to become a chore uh and mm, maybe okay. that was because of the way i felt about the work i was doing at the time which you know very much felt like a, mm. a chore and mm-hmm. so maybe i was comparing it to that yeah but... so our experiences influence that i guess because mm. yeah mm-hmm and but then I mean ironically you know obviously I moved to Canada and stopped being a paramedic so I went full-time with 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 a business and it it ended up being mostly a writing business and I realize now that that was a a, a complete idiotic thing that I thought because I love doing what I do I'm the same thing I get up every morning and I'm like yes I get to work in my office and this is the thing I'm so excited to get yeah to get out to my office like I don't in no way do I hate running a business there's just certain tasks within the business that I procrastinate a lot about and I think I'm probably (laughs) I think email admin and uh, and accounts are probably things that most people probably oh email i'm probably in good company in there i'm not i'm email and admin i've actually got quite good at now but accounts. yeah but you're quite good at managing your email you don't have two and a half thousand unread emails in your personal email inbox that would bring me out in a cold sweat parlor if i have it makes it makes several of my friends my more organized friends cry weirdly it is organized chaos i know what's in there i just don't have time to go and open them all anyway anyway um, we digress (laughs) so that's that's really interesting then i think Mm. maybe there's and again that i i don't know like i don't i think I think also just to interrupt there, sorry. Yeah. Is, no, it's all right. I was, I was ruminating. Yeah, I thought so. Um, <laughs> is, is that, uh, maybe it was at that point as well. I wasn't confident enough in my creativity. I didn't think I was that good a photographer. You know, I, I, I knew I was okay and people were paying me money, but I certainly didn't think I was, but I can see a thought as just a... a yeah, yeah, go on, keep talking and I'll thought in a minute. Yeah, it was, it, I, I guess maybe I just didn't have that, that creative confidence in myself to to take it full time so does that because what something you said that you saw my face go when you said it so i 
people had told me that I was really good and that I was better than people that they booked and that they loved my approach and that they loved my photos, but they also loved my, um, you know, my way of being and my way of putting them at ease. And people were telling me really lovely stuff about my work long before I was feeling confident about, even when I was working as a photographer. So when I first went, um, sorry, when I first went pro in 2016, so two years before I quit to go full time, um, and I was taking pictures of people a long, a lot longer than like a long time before I went pro. So mm. in that build up time, there was a, a long period of time where people were saying lovely things to me and people were affirming what I was doing. And I still and I think this probably fits in with imposter syndrome, which we're going to cover in another thing. We are. I still had that little voice that's going, oh, you're not that good, though, are you? Like, what if you're not <gasps> like what if you're not as good as people think you are? And then I vividly remember one day looking and I think it was on. It was on like Facebook or Insta stories or something. And it was probably about a year after I'd gone pro. So I'd been working, but also being a bit like, what what if I'm just not? I mean, people were really happy. Everyone was really happy with what I was providing. But I, and it wasn't even that I wasn't happy with what I was providing. I just had this really annoying, nagging voice. And then for me, I would say that the the creative confidence, like peak tipping point for me. So not getting it, but kind of getting to a point where I was like, no, actually. And then it's just grown from there. I looked at somebody who was offering something at a similar price point to me and I was like, but they're shit. <laughs> and I could say why they were shit. It wasn't just, I don't like your style, which is a totally valid reason for not liking anything. Yeah. I looked at the photographs and I was like, they're badly exposed. They're badly lit. They're badly posed. The people aren't very happy. They'd be taken at the wrong shutter speed. They're fuzzy as fuck. Like, who the fuck is paying for this? Like, why yeah. am I not charging more for... Di- oh, my God. So, and it might have been like it was around my figure and then there was more for extra print. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can so totally then... do this because I am I am better than some people. So not was that, that you have to be better that, uh, than... Yeah, so what, what was that then? Was that you uh, boosting your own self-confidence or was it actually seeing that somebody was... else's work kind of... No, so because it sounds it sounds awful when I say it because it sounds like I have to be better than someone else in order to be valid, and that's not the case. No, I disagree. I think for me that was tangled up in so that was self confidence was fine at that point. Creative confidence was like getting there, but a bit wobbly. But was being validated by my clients, but was a bit wobbly still. And then I think there was something in there about worth and money and stuff yeah, and I think that was yeah. my my stumbling point. I think I was happy with the work I was producing. I'd, I'd bridged the taste gap. Because that's the point at which I went pro. When I was able to create what was in my head, that's the point I was willing to start charging. Mm. But then I needed to put my prices up and I was wobbling about that. And then I realised that what I was producing was far better than a lot of people at a similar price point and higher price points to me. And I was like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. So it kind of gives you the nudge to, yeah. It's really weird. And I think that worth and creative confidence are tangled in there. But yeah, yeah. it was a really, really interesting one. Interestingly, almost kind of similar thing with me in that, Um, it was a comparison of other people's work however it wasn't me that did the comparison it was actually uh, ended up being my wedding photographer he um it was funny when I booked him to to shoot our wedding and I was only kind of really early days in 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 having a photography business myself um so I didn't tell him Uh, and it was only a bit later on I think he found out through god facebook or something yeah through tagging or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and he was like you didn't tell me you're a photographer anyway after the wedding he kind of took it upon himself to mentor me lovely man um and uh i remember distinctly having a sitting around his house one day he had his computer and we were having a conversation about putting prices up and i think i said the thing was oh i'm not that good so he was like what and he pulled up a, a a bunch of 
I think that was like the first five people he found on Google in, in our area, pulled their websites up and he was going, look at this, look, you can definitely take better photographs than this. Yours are definitely much better exposed than this. You, you definitely do, uh, you know, you compose yours better or your colours are better or, you know, so he was pointing out things to me for each one of them and we were then looking at their pricing. And so he was like, why aren't you putting your pricing up? So he he gave me that creative Oh, but then you see, that's really interesting because you... He did it and you took it on board. I did. Whereas I needed to do it myself because people were telling me similar things and I was going, no, but you must be lying because I couldn't possibly be good enough. Which <laughs> is really interesting. And it was only when strange. I literally clocked it myself. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Like, I love that he did it for you because you might not have done it myself. thought I probably to do it yourself. Have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I felt, I felt like a massive cow having those thoughts, but I was also yeah. like, but actually they're true. And I can also give, so where for a long time it was like, oh, I don't really like that, but I can't really tell you why. Or mm, I don't think that's great, but I can't tell you why. Mm-hmm. I suddenly realised I knew why because I got better at my own craft. Exactly. So, mm, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, mm. It's massive. Isn't it? I don't know. It's really odd. Um, I mean, I think, I think we were talking about history and teenage years and stuff. And I think... Um, yeah, I think if you guys, any of you out there are parents of children or teenagers, like, try and not let them be dicks to each other. <laughs> and encourage their creativity, nice. please. Encourage their creativity. Well. Yeah. Um, and even if the creativity has to be done quietly at home, that that's fine. But yeah. don't let it disappear, I think, would be my appeal. Because, Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong, my parents tried really hard to let me do everything I wanted to do, but... I was so confused by the mixed messages I was getting from school and careers coaches and peers and stuff. Um, Lou and I often, um, so Louise, we will have on the show at some point. She's um, Louise Rose Couture and she and I have a new thing that's coming out next year. Um, but she and I were chatting and we regularly chat. So we were part of the same friendship group at school. That's how we met when we were 11. And we often giggle that like we were the weird ones, but we've also turned out to buy, f- like we were she was always super creative she was always really good with um with fabrics and stuff so we all made i think it was like a cushion cover and a pencil case and she made a ball gown oh my god in our like she was she was always going to be a design like a dress designer she was always going to be a magical human that that made amazing dresses but that aside i don't think either of us were particularly encouraged at school to be um to be creative and then we've both come out and made livings out of being creative and made a whole life out of being creative and we often giggle about it like oh what what do you think our 12 year old selves would have thought um and yeah i think having that maybe having each other to to daydream with and stuff that would be cool yes. um yeah. maybe that made the difference because we couldn't do it at school but we did it you know out of school but i don't know i just think there's a lot i think my biggest issue with with the school system generally is that you have to pick stuff so early whether yeah. that is creative or whether that's you know what you actually want is to study numbers or whatever it is you want to do i just think we we limit people too early and I think in a creative sense that can be really really bad news because it takes a really long time to and then once you fall into a job and then like you say the job can be all consuming and then you know then people find partners and have children and you know there are other life stages that that happen and then or like me I put my my creative businesses on hold while I bought and renovated a house because actually buying a house while I had a steady income was really important to me Mm. I make an okay income from self-employment but I knew the first few years were not going to be mortgage worthy (laughs) employed like you know it just isn't a thing is it when you're investing in stuff so it was really important to me to have a house before I um and because I'm on my own I wanted to do that but I put everything on hold for the house and I can see how people put it on hold for the house, then for the wedding, then for the, you know, and, and people have different priorities. And then 
suddenly you might be in your 50s and you're only just then having a chance to recover your creativity and there's nothing wrong with that like obviously there's no, it's never too late but I would prefer it if people found their creativity earlier I always kind of do more with it yeah just to yeah just that going on that it, I always kind of think yeah if we were allowed to not allowed I don't like that word if if, if we'd been encouraged, if it was encouraged yes to yes to um to delve into it at a much younger age think about what we could all be creating now it just makes me think a lot of creativity could be so much more elevated and actually to pick up there i'm making it sound like you have to i think it also needs to be more widely accepted encouraged whatever that word is Mm. that you can do a proper job and still have create like i think we're 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 encouraged in school certainly in the uk to kind of edit creativity out of unless you're going to be an artist be a designer be a a chef yeah you're kind of like you know you can't have both things yeah Yeah. and i remember Mm. really desperately wanting to carry on with drama lessons because although i am a terrible actress i really enjoyed them i just thought it was great fun i loved impro it turns out actually later in life coming back to impro larp i love larp because it's like a whole week of impro acting in costume it's great yeah um so I don't have any particular desire to act, but there was obviously something that I loved about it. But I was also, also never going to be an actress because I'm a shit actress. Um, <laughs> and I'm fine with that. But I, I think that you shouldn't have to be good at something. You shouldn't have to make something your career in order to do something creative. Exactly. I think there needs to yeah. be this acceptance that you can just do something for fun. But age 14, I think, and is it year nine that we choose our... Yeah, so 13, 14. Something like that, yeah. I had chosen my timetable, and because I had to fit in my GCSE subjects, there was no space for the stuff that I wasn't doing at GCSE. So I didn't do music and I didn't do drama and I beyond the age of fourteen, which is really sad. Mm. You've just uh, because... you've just you've just made me suddenly think of something there as well, oh. actually. Oh. Um that even that idea of we've now got creative careers, we've got a creative business that each of us uh, runs. And a half. We and we've actually had a, a very recent conversation saying about how we don't actually make time for personal creative stuff oh yes and i think actually maybe having the time for that personal creative stuff is is going to have a, a beneficial effect on your creative confidence isn't it yes you're, yes i think it is you're um, something that you and, can work on for yourself you know not because you're yeah. trying to write something for a client or and take a photograph for a client we said right at the beginning about confidence in yourself and your skills and your Mm. business Mm. but I find and I don't know if you have found the same but this is definitely a thing for me so I have perfected my ability to shoot in the kind of lights that I generally find in people's quite small workspaces yeah and I don't generally deviate from that because I know that it will work and I know that it will give the clients the images that they have booked me for which are bright light and airy despite working in effectively the broom cupboard like it's fine and you know we do laugh about it you know i've been in at least one place where there were no windows but i managed to produce my look because i'm skilled at working with flash and i've developed those skills and that's great similarly in the studio and people book my boudoir for a particular look they they book my mermaid stuff for a particular look and so i have the lighting that over a few years i've honed and refined and, and worked on so it's it it works brilliantly which means i can set and forget the lighting and work on relaxing my clients which for boudoir is especially important and mermaids because in mermaid tales people are like fuck i'm wearing a tail what do i do with this yeah. and so you have to like chill them out and generally people don't strip in front of randoms so once they've <laughs> taken their clothes off you have quite a lot of relaxation to do with them um 
And it's nice if you're not... And actually, I find people relax more if they can forget the giant studio strobes above their heads, which is hard because they're... Mine are nearly two metres wide. They're huge. They're absolutely enormous, my softboxes. And so I don't want to keep fiddling with them. I want them to just be there in their spaces and then I can focus on the client and then they can, you know. But what that means is that unless I set time aside to play with different studio lighting in a no stress situation or a no stake situation unless I work with personal work unless I go out and shoot at dusk with no flash and see what that looks like for my self-portraits I'm not actually expanding my skills and so yes I think our creative so my my confidence in what I produce for my clients is rock solid now because I I know I can tackle almost any situation with a series of like I've got like a little toolbox so in that toolbox is all the different things I might need mentally to put together to tackle whatever it is that's thrown at me but what isn't in that toolbox is playing and it might not work it's, it, and because it's I don't want to do that for part, a client. It? It's yeah. the playing part. I need to be able to play. And and then often when I have been playing, I'll then come up with a, with a, um, a technique and I'm like, oh, brilliant. I can use this for clients now, but I wouldn't test it on a client until I was confident of it because the clients book me for money for a thing. So I think that's a really important point. Actually, we have to have personal work time in, in, I mean I'm using photography but in anything I think in writing yeah, in anything in that same vein of photography interestingly some of my favorite photographers have all said the same thing in that they they do the work for the client but mm. then they also make time in that booking to Ooh. play so like one of my oh. absolute favorite photographers is Fur I could never say his name Fur, Fur Horisti is a Mexican guy okay and he basically he his um he he says that he doesn't he doesn't shoot for the client at all he shoots entirely for him um he plays with everything with their with their with their shoots he he's always experimenting That's really cool. and um and I find that really interesting, actually, that maybe that's a, that's the thing that we put on ourselves that we think, oh, we have to do everything yeah. for the client. I mean, actually... I do. I don't. I mean, I absolutely do shoot in terms of, you know, posing and stuff. It's it's I plan with my clients and I, you know, but there is always an element of like, you could try that. Mm. Try doing see, see what that looks like, because yeah. I I love that. But in terms of getting the shot. I will always lean on. Yeah, maybe we do put that on ourselves. I think, it, and it's it's not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's you're the, at the end of the day, you're being paid by someone, so you want to produce the work that they're paying for. That's you, you've got that mm. in the back of your mind. You're thinking, mm. oh, I must. I've got to give them a certain standard because that's the standard they expect. But I could, you know, there's all there is that element of you could play with a little bit, and it might not be quite mm. as. Uh, quite to the same standard but it might be something new and exciting but it might be yeah, yeah it might work I mean, great I think, I or you might just complete i mean I th- i'm sure you've said it before sometimes you say to clients and go look i want to give this a try it might not work but we'll have yes. a go no i do do that sometimes mm. but i wouldn't say i routinely build it into my sheets and right. i quite like that idea of having some play in yeah. but i also think you have to like nail the shots especially because a lot of my clients for brand often their shoot with me is the first time they've ever had a photo shoot yeah yeah and it's important for their business, but it's also high stakes for them because they love their business. It's it's a quite a hefty investment. It's, an investment, it's not you yeah. know it's a big thing. Um, where I am wondering whether it would make a difference actually is with some of the corporate work that I do because my corporate work tends to be with companies who are, um, you know, a bit a bit non-conforming in actually sometimes quite corporate 
industries or quite traditional or um, places like universities where a lot of them will run the same and then you get the odd one that's a bit unusual so I'm wondering whether there's there's some but again they often need an event captured in a particular style and there isn't space for play so I think wherever the play comes in I think it's really important whether you schedule it into your client sheets or whether you schedule it Um, and I think that I mean something else that I really love so uh, one of my friends is a writer and illustrator and has recently been um, for pure joy playing with lino cuts she's not planning to be a lino artist she's just having a play with lino cuts yeah and oh my god like i see them and i'm just like this this looks like so much fun and she said you know what it just feels like joy it doesn't like it's frustrating if i balls it up but it doesn't matter because it's not for anything it's just for me yeah um i mean if it works i'm definitely going to ask for a print but um it's it's just and it's so lovely to see um, and I've got another friend who recently took up photography and um, we're going to go out and shoot together at some point. But she was saying, like, it's just joy. It's not related to anything I do for any form of work. It is just fun. Yeah. And it's been really interesting, actually, because watching the stuff that she's shooting and the way that she's approaching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to make sure I do that. <laughs> Definitely need to make sure that I do not shoot the same stuff she's shooting, but shoot the stuff that I love that yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. always make time for. And yeah. I think we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes and actually, yeah, to help boost our creative confidence. Is this is this the point where we publicly say we're going to spend at least a day a month on personal work next year? I think like, next we year. should, shouldn't we really? We, we have, we, <laughs> we we've been talking to. about it. Yeah, we did say actually. Let's make it dedicate. a public pledge. Yeah, Absolutely. that's 2021's job. I think that's a good note to finish on because I think we've probably think been ranting is. on quite a bit today, haven't we? Yeah, well, we also had a, a gap in the middle. A little, me, brief so, interlude, um, yes. a little brief interlude, yes. A brief interlude with some. What? Why is it not working? Why is it not working? Um, Luckily, yeah, they we, won't we hear actually, that. It will no, be... and I have to say, in in true uh, creative and technical person style, we switched it off and we switched it on again. We changed the lead. We switched it off. We switched it on, and it still didn't work. So we exactly. gave up. Yeah. Um, and did something different instead. So, Can I just just finish up with fucking tech? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I actually had a Zoom earlier today that I um. I was a bit late for in a message and I said, I'm on my way. I just want to save the last hour's work. And she, before I could respond, said, because fucking technology, right? Yes, I was like, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> That's the Definitely. one. So, and I didn't, I wanted to make sure it all saved before I did anything else on my screen. So, yeah. 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 No, it was good fun. I mean, I th- again, I think there's a world more stuff to talk about, but we know that we want to talk about imposter syndrome at some point. Yes. And I think that the bits that, I'm just looking at the list that we made before we started chatting. And I think quite a lot of what's in there will fit into there. So we mm. will... We will have a chat about that at some point. But thank you for listening. But hopefully, yeah, as well. And hopefully that kind of encourages people to to think, oh, you know, the whole creative confidence thing, it's it's different for everybody. And there is no right way or wrong way or... You've just got to find your way, haven't you? Really? I mean, I'm so. I'm going to take the opportunity to say, like, we would love to hear your stories of creative yes. confidence, of your trigger points and your, you know, ridiculous things that people said to you when you were young. Anything, anything mm. really that you think is relevant, like, by all means. So you can drop us an email, which is hello at creativereboot.co. Yes. Uh, there is a contact form on our website, or you can always message us on um, socials. So, Definitely. Yeah. Which you I would love, we would love to hear that. Our socials are at creativereboot.co. Indeed, and the website is creativereboot.co because we are super, super slick. Well, we were super <laughs> slick with that. We're not very super slick at talking about it, are we? But, um, That's it, yeah. Yeah, fabulous. Fantastic. Um, so as ever, like us, rate us, share us, tell your friends about us. Yes. Um, and yeah. please write some um, reviews on your on your um, oh yes on, on your whatever it is you listen to us on. Because uh, we, I, unfortunately, I can't see them all because I can't access them all, but I would love to... Um, I need to find We'd a just way love to, to know what you say. Yeah, I would love to yeah, know what, you, what people are thinking about the podcast. Definitely. But yeah, until next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.